Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest installment of Technically Minded, a podcast brought to you by DMW Group, a Credera company. As always, I hope all of our listeners are keeping safe and well and have found some solace in the recent announcement of there being a light at the end of the lockdown tunnel. Uh, for those listeners who are new to Technically Minded, we aim to provide an opportunity for colleagues from across our firm to come together and discuss business and technical problems that we're seeing from a range of our clients and partners across the various sectors we work in, uh, in the hope that our experiences and insights are helpful to you, our listeners. Uh, I'm your host for this session. My name is Matthew Greenhouse, consultant at DMW Group. Uh, and today, as usual, I'm joined by three of my wonderful colleagues. Uh, and I may be so bold as to say we have a positively star-studded cast for today's session. So uh, in no particular order, uh, we have Helen Kilvington, who is the Chief People Officer at DMW Group. Hello. Uh, Christopher Dean, who is uh, the DMW Group's Chief Executive Officer. Hello there. And last but by no means least, Jenny Gallagher, who is a Principal Consultant in our Delivery Practice. Hi, everyone. So, yeah, welcome, guys. and Thank you very much for taking the time to join us today. So in today's special, uh, which coincides with International Women's Day, we are asking how can we challenge the gender diversity issue faced by the tech industry? Um, we will dive a little bit further into the detail of the issue, exploring some of the key benefits of and barriers to increased diversity within tech. Uh, we'll also explore the theme of this year's International Women's Day, which is, of course, Choose to Challenge. So without further ado, we'll get started uh, with what feels like the natural first discussion point, which is to explore uh, what Choose to Challenge means to each of us. So uh, I will come first to you, please, Jenny, if that's all right. Yeah, sure. Hi, Matthew. Hi, everyone. Um, Choose to Challenge. Um, I think we're at a really exciting time within businesses and technology at the moment, not just because of the huge amount of upcoming technology, but actually because we constantly are challenging the theme of diversity within organisations from schools all the way up until businesses. Um, and it is ultimately all to do with the fact that previously, I remember when I first started my career, it was almost the norm just to accept that, do you know what, there aren't as many women, for example, in technology. And now it's just not it's not accepted at all. We're constantly challenging ourselves to say, okay, can we make our workforce more diverse? Can we actually challenge what we think are, what, what is the unconscious bias, for example? Um, and how can we actually make this really exciting from day one for, you know, everyone, ultimately, from all different backgrounds, um, of, of all different genders? So you even see, so, you know, the STEM subjects. Um, I see that there's, STEM subjects within universities and within schools. I really believe that um, a huge amount more of a there's definitely a huge amount more diversity on those courses. And I think that's ultimately now really start, starting to trickle through um, even within um, businesses and seeing that new generation come through and our new engineers coming in and actually having teams of you know 50 50 um, percent male female. For me, it's really fantastic and a really exciting time can't wait to improve that as we go forward as well yeah it's been uh, fantastic in our own company to witness um uh, as we've recruited uh, engineers into our um organization that we have got much more of a balance um and how much you know particularly technology has come on 
um, in the last sort of 10 years or so. I was reflecting, um, I was out on my lunchtime walk um, just now and thinking about how much the landscape has changed um, over the last 10 years, which is probably when I started really getting um, involved with uh, diversity. Um, I was working with an organisation at the time who were really on, I think, um, really proactive um, in this space. And um, we saw the emergence of the 30% club. Um, and I was just looking back at some of the data last year was um, the first time um, in that 10 years when actually a uh, you know, about a third of the top 350 or the, the FTSE 350 actually started to meet some of those targets. So I suppose, you know, we've, we, in one hand, we've come such a long way um, from when I started and in the other, there's still huge improvements to be made. And I suppose that's what Choose the Challenge um, means to me is that you know, I don't think we should accept um, the, the status quo. I don't think we should accept that, that um, we've got it really good. I think uh, we continue to um, make and uh, make it comfortable for, for people in in our in our organisation, hopefully in other organisations, for people to put their hand up and and talk about um, you know what they'd like to see, what improvements they'd like to make um, to our workplace structures, etc. Yeah, I completely agree, Helen. I, I was um, thinking that the job of senior management in firms like ours and the bigger firms uh, is to make the environment comfortable to encourage that challenge. The choose to challenge thing isn't just about a personal choice to challenge. It's about feeling safe and positively being encouraged to look for ways in which we can improve diversity and so what we're trying to do and I'm sure lots of other similar firms are trying to do is is make sure that people think about it and and, and challenge themselves and challenge the firm in a positive way to think more about diversity because everyone wins you know the economics of diversity are obvious and I'm sure we'll talk about that later but um, it's the big challenge for organizations to make the best of the resources that are available to them it's a kind of a basic economic thing um, and it's too easy to just do what you did last year and just slip into the habits and the observations that you made last year well that's the norm and it and it shouldn't be and we should continue to challenge ourselves and encourage others to challenge us and not take those challenges personally if you're if you're the one that designed the website and someone notices a thing that isn't diverse about your website, that's a good thing and we should encourage it and and, and celebrate it. I don't know whether you've um, uh, witnessed this, um, Jenny and, and, and Chris as well, but certainly one of the, the biggest movements that I've seen in the last 10 years has um, been about this not being... Uh, a, a woman's thing um, you know and I can remember getting in audit auditoriums full of women where we would talk about um, you know things that were um, particularly uh, relevant uh, to women and women in the workplace it feels so much broader than that now which is fantastic and um, you know ha having it as a core business um, part of our strategy 
um, that's so much more helpful than I think where it was because it's much more inclusive. Um, you know, we're we're in families who share um, a lot more of the the caring responsibility. This is a societal challenge uh, as well as a as well as an organisational challenge, and it just feels much more collaborative now. Yeah, I, I think for me, it's now not an objective to get women in top positions it's an objective of creating diversity and inclusion in the workforce and making sure that everyone's opinion is valued and everyone's opinion is valuable and respecting that and that's such that's that's a much stronger objective than just I think you know trying to get women in top positions it's actually thinking about the broader theme and um, uh, I think the broader issue to be honest making sure that not only you know can women also promote their careers but actually even men they have a life they have a family and recognizing the fact they also want to take parental leave for example and it shouldn't just be down to the women to have maternity leave Um, I think that's one of the key things a key change I've seen in the last a couple of years and um, organisations taking that on board has been really impressive. Yeah, I think we've gone from a world where society has in the workplace, um, well, anyway, I I have a feeling that we've gone from a world where we said, let's make allowances for diverse elements of the workforce rather than let's actively encourage them to reap reap their potential in life and look what we can get out of it in our own interests as an organization we've kind of moved from this so well you know let's work around these difficulties because it's the right thing to to do or because we really feel we ought to and now it's kind of like why wouldn't you it's just so obvious that these things need need to be done for everybody's benefit including the organization and that mind shift change i've seen in the last I don't know, it's only five or six years. It's not long, which is, which is really, really impressive. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Uh, I think that kind of tells us the uh, the great things that could come out of this podcast. That's some really interesting stuff already. So, yeah, thank you for that. Um, I think we'll, we'll continue to delve a little bit deeper into the detail. Um, I thought it'd be good if we could discuss, I mean, Chris kind of alluded to this, but what we see is the, the key benefits of increasing diversity within the tech industry. So, I do appreciate this is going to be wider than just talking about gender diversity. So we are likely to branch out a little bit and that obviously is, you know, completely fine. Um, so whether we touch on, you know, cultural, religious, age diversity as well, you know, uh, so be it, that's great. Um, I think for this, if we could start with yourself, Chris, that would be good. So I think there's been a lot of studies about the benefits of diversity. Companies like McKinsey have done macro analysis of of you know, taken surveys of, uh, of of large companies and looked at the benefits that it gives them in economic terms. And I don't think there's been a study, I might be wrong, that's ever concluded anything other than it's a positive thing to do for the company. Um, so, you know, let's start with that point. It's It's absolutely obvious, therefore, that this is economically a good thing to do. So, Organizations running companies ought to have this on their agenda as a mechanism for growth, not a mechanism to be fair necessarily. Of course, it is, but it's as a mechanism for growth. Some of the things that drive that growth, I think, are quite interesting. I think we're getting to a world which is different from, again, the way things were when I started in this business. 
whereby some of your clients will look at your uh, your diversity and say, I'm not sure I want to work with an organization like you unless you're at least trying in this space and, and frankly, making some progress in it. You know, warm words are all very well, but I want to see some diversity in your organization. You need to reflect society. Otherwise, I'm worried you are not you're not a good employer and I don't want to be associated with firms that aren't good employers. So that's an important thing. I think it's also, uh, if you look at more internally and you say, you know, what's it like to work in a diverse organization? There's diversity in all sorts of, of, of manners, as you said, Matthew. And one of them is diversity of thought. And if you come from different backgrounds, if you come from a different way of thinking, if you are, um, you are blessed by having an alternative position in life to others who are in a meeting room. You can bring another perspective to a problem. You can think alternatively. You can come up with solutions. You can think about other communities in a different way. Every offer that we make as a business and every other, every other business will have a similar scenario whereby it's not just one demographic you're aiming at. You want to think about all sorts of demographics. You want those demographics represented in your business. So it kind of goes that saying you're a more powerful business the more diverse you are because you can take into consideration the networks, the, 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 the drivers of various different parts of society. Of course, you'd want to be diverse to be able to, to address them. Do you agree? What do you think? <laughs> I think that, I think it... My sort of point follows on exactly from that and also to do with the demographic. There's been a shift within technology where we now very much focus on agile ways of working and doing iterative deliveries. And as part of that, one of the key success factors is also also listening to your user groups and developing your product according to the user group. And I think those people who are, you know, engineering the products, the best thing for them to be able to do is actually understand their user groups in order that they can develop in the right way. And I think the user group is nine times out of 10 always going to be a diverse range of people because that's the world as it is. So what better than to have the organization of engineers and those people actually doing the sort of product deliveries to represent that user group as well, because otherwise there's too much tunnel vision in that they think that an application should be driven in that way. That's not what their user group thinks. And it's all to do with making sure that the demographics are are appropriate um, within your organisation to actually meet those requirements. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. I think, you know, being representative of the communities that you um, serve uh, or, or work alongside just makes makes sense and as you said Chris you know we know it makes financial sense as well I, I think there's probably um, a wider benefit that we haven't touched upon because we've been thinking about it in our uh, from a business context but we we started to talk about it in the first um, question and, that, and that's a societal one as well if we um, if we start making um, space if we start um, diversifying um, and, re- and representing different communities within our organisations, we hopefully improve um, the uh, ability for generations who come 
behind us um, to be able to make the choices that they want to make. Um, um, you know, wherever that might be, whatever industry that might be, whatever personal life choice um, that be, um, that makes it sound a little grand, I suppose. But but I think in our own little way, we're we're all contributing um, to to that that wider societal view. No, I, I agree. I think the, the two points that kind of jump. So we, we all use tech, you know, regardless of our background, our, our gender, our culture, whatever it be. So, um, you know, it, it's a, an issue that, that affects everybody. So everybody being involved makes sense. Um, and I think you, you've all kind of touched on again is that kind of uh, the cyclic nature of diversification. So, you know, as you look to diversify and provide opportunities to other areas, other people, uh, whoever they are, you breed more diversification and it, it grows and develops. So it's, you know, if you get it right, it's self-sustaining as well. And it's something you can keep supporting and driving. I find it interesting, Matthew, it's another point on that, um, that one thinks of private equity investors, for example, corporate investors is very hard nosed. You know, they run by a spreadsheet and uh, things are done almost entirely for, 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 for gain reasons, for profit reasons. And yet private equity investors, for example, want to make sure you have a diverse board, that you are you have diversity in your senior leadership and you're looking for di- diversity across the firm. So even those who are, you know, have a reputation for being business driven and thinking about things in terms of spreadsheets, you know, are also uh, convinced of the benefits in hard terms of diversity. And that's that says a lot because these are smart guys and, and you know, these are people who who uh, make a living out and put their own money on the line, personal money in many cases, on betting on firms and their future. And what they're saying is they want to bet on diverse firms, which is an interesting leading indicator. Yeah, and I, 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 I guess lots of that is to do with um, in the studies in terms of um, diverse organizations outperforming others that I would suspect there's also quite a lot to do with risk in there so the organization that I was working for 10 years ago so much of um, the uh, investigations as to why that organization fell in such a quite a sharp or steep way um, as it as it did was you know that board was all, all looked talk came from the same place as, as each other. There wasn't any um, any disagreement. You know, they, they all thought that they were doing the right thing, um, quite rightly, and there was no challenge. You know, no, no one was coming from the opposite perspective. But um, I, I think, you know, in terms of risk, if you've got, uh, it's now called a critical friend, isn't it? You know, that on uh, on leadership teams, if you've got people that actively challenge you about the decisions that you're making, then it's much more likely that you're going to make better decisions um, in in the end. Perfect. Okay. Thanks, guys. Um, so yeah, we I'm sure we've not touched on all of the benefits, but we've had a, a good kind of discussion about the benefits that diversification can bring to, to businesses and the wider tech industry. So um, I think you know we wouldn't be having this call if we didn't recognise there is an issue with gender diversity in the tech industry. So I think you know naturally it'd be good to explore uh, 
what do we what do we see as the the kind of main barriers to increasing diversity um and just to complete the kind of the circle here we could go to you helen just to start us off on this one please yeah sure um yeah, so I, I, clearly from uh, statistics that we've got access to um, in the UK, uh, only 16% uh, of text technical roles are filled by women. Um, that figure gets worse for engineers, which is only 5%, and better for IT program managers at 30%, or, or in comparison with other, with other industries, certainly. Um, Jenny you've already touched on it you know there, there's certainly something um, that happens at schools um, that 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 limits the amount of women um, who end up going into uh, these types of interest uh, these these types of, uh, of roles in the organization and I and I think um, there's there's lots of organizations who are who are doing things to to really help with that and, and it's obviously starting to bear fruit as well we, you know we, we're starting to see um, uh, you know more uh, graduate places are taken up by women on computer science um, courses which is fantastic um, you know and lots of the um, old adages of of a woman being the only woman on a computer science courses are now luckily um, becoming a thing of the past um, but I, I think organisations have a have a real role to play in making sure that as um, as as women are coming up through or, or looking at their organisation, um, uh, starting a recruitment process in the organisation, um, that we make sure that that we um, represent our own diversity because I think that's really helpful if you're um, if you're seen to uh, you know be able to demonstrate that you are diverse that you have women in a, a range of different roles within the, the workplace which is kind of the the point I think Chris you made about the cyclical nature you know more diversity will lead to more diversity will lead to you know that that's a really helpful thing um, I suppose in our own industry, which is probably even more niche and not only technology, but it's consulting um, as well. We've we've got an added lens of um, long hours in needing to spend time away from home traditionally um, and working on, you know, highly ambiguous, highly pressurised uh, environments. Um, so I think, you know, anything anything that organizations can do to uh, while still still keep true to what they need to do and the service that they offer to clients but if there are ways that we can look at um, uh, maybe alter, altering hours considering you know other sorts of working styles those will all be helpful um, modifications to, to roles yeah, I agree, Helen. I, I think there's an interesting interplay here between society, societal norms and the demands of the workplace. I think um, you know, what one argument is, well, society sort of expects women to be the, the, the primary carers because it's always been thus or whatever. And, and Jenny made a very good point earlier, like, it doesn't have to be and why should it be? And, you know, and, and our work is society. You know, we are a microcosm of society. We can little by little change 
those societal norms. And I think that um, that we have the ability to be able to provide uh, a level playing field for for the genders in our organisation to say, you know, we're not we, we have no expectation of, of of where parental leave is going to be required and who does what hours. Um, there are some significant demands in this business. And whilst societal norms are the way they are and continue to be the way they are, we, we, it, it'll be a challenge for us to, um, to have a 50-50 workforce. It'll be, it'll be difficult, but it's, that doesn't make it a bad aim. It just means that you know, we, we are gradually changing with society and, and we should always um, try our best to make sure we work with those societal norms, understand them and figure out how we can work with them as best we can and make sure that we're not contributing to them in the wrong way. Yeah, I think that's a great point because with those societal norms, it's very difficult for us to really jump from sort of low percentages of which we're potentially at the moment within technology or um, women working in technology to the 30%, 40% or even the sort of um, optimal 50-50%. one of the questions I always get asked when doing um, interviews is how how do you cope if you don't have a role a role model as such um, you know a female role model in sort of in uh, technology consulting in our workstream and the fact of the matter is I have to be honest I I do have role models um, yes they might not always be female but they are still role models at leadership levels who are teaching me how to act how to act in a certain way to basically promote um that you know work-life balance for example to promote a more diverse work promote promote a more diverse workforce um and then the other thing i would say back to them is what actually makes you a, a good role model because anyone to me can be a good role model. You don't have to be in a senior position necessarily to be a good role model. And I think it's I think it's really important that everyone feels that they have a place to actually demonstrate really great behaviours of challenging challenging the unconscious bias, um, trying to you know make sure that they have a um, good work life balance, and ultimately just trying to make sure that people understand that they do have like women and men and um, non-binary all have a position within technology and within the society Um, and that you don't have to be a senior leader that you can be anyone at any level and still be a leader and still be a role model to people at school people at university or others in the others in the workforce too. A a question from me Jenny if I may follow up on that how how do you think we should address the point you made earlier about the, the the difference in the percentages of of boys and girls taking stem sub subjects at school is that is that something that te- teachers should be addressing is it a society thing how how do we fix that and is there a role for companies like ours to help fix it i think there's i think it's a mixture of all three points you really highlighted there um I think first of all, I think teachers have um, responsibility to make sure that they promote all subjects equally. Um, 
I think that'll be one thing. And I'm sure that teachers do do that um, continuously. Um, I think the other part is also companies at the moment, we can speak to universities and we can speak to schools directly and we can demonstrate that um, we work, the work which we do is interesting, no matter who, who you are. Um, it's, it's, cutting, it's cutting edge work, to be honest. And it's work which impacts everyone's lives. Think of, um, you know, think of Spotify. All, all school students, I'm sure, have some form of Spotify or Apple Music. And don't they want to get involved? Let's try and get them excited about technology. Um, and I think the more you can, the more you can get people excited about a subject, the more they're interested in it. And the more I think we'll see that coming through within um, STEM subjects at university and then the workforce in the future. I think there's lots of um, uh, responsibilities for parents as well. Um, and uh, and certainly in my role, I get uh, you know, an awful lot of questions from um, from dads um, who are taking now, you know, much more of an equal um, part in in uh, bringing up bringing up children, um, which is you know, so if you've already got much more equality that's existing in your the the first thing that you see and you start to um, orientate yourself around as a child, then hopefully that will uh, again mean that. Um, as our children and our children's children grow up, then then they themselves will have uh, be able to make choices that where it doesn't matter what gender you are. Because I didn't grow up seeing only my dad going out to work or only my mum going out to work or what or and and start to break down some of those um, some some of those stereotypes. And I know there's lots of organisations um, who are um, who are starting to support that much more heavily. Um, and, ha and 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 breaking down some of the barriers of uh, parental leave, um, it being not about your gender. It, I think you were talking earlier, Chris. You know, it's this is not about the primary carer. Yes, we know that that women are the only um, sex at the moment who are able to have children, but uh, in terms of the caring responsibilities and the ongoing caring responsibilities and that's a decision between um whoever is in that family and whatever family makeup so i think there's a there's a part to play uh that, for organizations there as well awesome i think it ties into that um kind of point that, that other people have raised and i think it was mentioned at the start is around you know highlighting and spotlighting um exception regardless of gender um and you know whether you are male, female, non-binary, it, it, you know, you become the role model, like Jenny was saying, you kind of support people into that sector. You don't take gender as the, like you were saying, I need a female role model. A role model is a role model. I think that's really, really powerful. And the the idea of choose to challenge, it's almost like, again, we've all touched on it, or you've all touched on it in your conversations. It's more creating the ability to challenge, whether that's in your children, whether that's in your colleagues, whether that's in your work environment, whether that's yourself, you know, self-reflection and saying, I will challenge myself, like unconscious bias is something you you never overcome. It's, it's always there. So recognizing it, raising awareness and challenging it. Um, yeah, I think that's why the, the choose to challenge theme of International Women's Day is so kind of resonant. It's, yeah, it's really powerful. I, I think one area we've not 
touched on, uh, although we may have briefly mentioned it, was around uh, you know target and goal setting and the ideal of having a 50-50% representation in society. But um, you know, it, it, it'd be great to have a conversation or a discussion around what we think uh, the, the benefits of targets and goal setting and how that helps overcome those barriers. Um, and possibly there's any, it might be a detrimental side to using goals and targets in that way uh, to, to kind of you know, encourage gender diversity. Um, should we start with you, Helen, please? Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think um, if I think about it from a board perspective or a leadership perspective, I think you look at your KPIs, you know, uh, on a monthly basis. Um, so not, I think organisations, if they don't have something that demonstrates what they're doing to achieve diversity, whatever that looks like, you know, if that's a in a particular area or it's the entire firm or it's recruitment or whatever, um, that's a that's a missed opportunity. Um, now, I completely see the point that uh, certainly um, throughout my career, women have made to me um, about not wanting to have a feeling that you have been chosen um, to to move into a role because of your agenda. Of course, like of course, I understand that point. I guess there's a there's a little part of me though that thinks, had we not had people people organizations governments review boards that had set some sort of target I don't want to call them quotas because that has a, a real connotation to it but had someone not set that out initially you know would we would we have come this far I don't know yeah I, I think it's really interesting and we've, we've spoken about it over a number of years this this difference between targets and commitments and quotas and there are a government you take the sort of Swedish government has set itself commitments you know there are quotas for how many MPs will, will be women and all this kind of thing and we have taken in our organization the view that we want to have targets but not commitments we don't want quotas we don't want the idea uh, that somebody gets a job because they had the, they came from the right the right group be that gender or ethnicity or whatever uh, because we thought it might devalue the process i'm i'm not sure we're right but it's our view it's it, it, it on the on balance on, on all the arguments it feels like the right thing to do but it, there's that book by um renier de lodge the you know the why i no longer uh, talk about race uh, with white pe people she makes a, a, a point with respect to ethnic diversity she says well you know we shouldn't discriminate and discrimination would be to um, to appoint someone uh, for a job, for example, in, in her argument, because let's say they're black, and I want this per I want this role to be a, a filled by someone who's black. And various people might say you shouldn't do that because that's discrimination in itself. And her argument, which I thought was very persuasive, was um, so okay. Let's just say that was discrimination. Do you not think that? has some relationship to the years and years of discrimination the other way. It's a drop in the ocean compared to the other kinds of discrimination that you're fighting against. And you're trying to set up a more balanced environment. And will it do you any harm if it, if, if it is a, a small amount of discrimination the other way? How much will that hurt? If you, if, if you added up all the people who prepared to do it, 
and compared it with the discrimination going the other way, you'd still be discriminating against black people or women or whatever the, the subject you're on. It does make you think hard about your decision. But at the moment, our view, I, I still think for the right reason, but it's a debate I'm, I'm sure we'll continue to have, is that there, there is a problem with, with, um, with a commitment to hire to a certain uh, gender or ethnicity because it devalues the, the, the role and, and frankly starts um, picking away at some of the business case that we talked about earlier. If you pick the wrong person for the role because they happen to be of a certain group, now that's making your business case sl- slightly different. Controversial point, but that's where we stand on it. What do you think, Jenny? Um, I think it's a seriously difficult decision to make. And um, I think ultimately the idea we should all have is proactive steps to make a difference. And if having a target ultimately ensures that we make those proactive steps, I think a target is definitely Um, the way to go but we want those steps to be positive steps and as you say Chris I think potentially having a specific commitment means that the steps are potentially not always positive um, and are just steps being made to actually meet a commitment Um, and there's quite a slight difference but quite a significant difference in those two um, in those two points I think. I agree. I, I think there's, you know, been lots of different um, uh, tr- trials, I suppose, um, of different ways that you can get around this positive, um, positive action um, being one of them, whereby if you had a, a, a man and a woman or if you were um, looking to diversify ethnically, um, then you were within your right to choose the person that that helped your organisation become um, more diverse. I've seen um, quotas for shortlists. So, you know, for every role, you have to have uh, five people. At least two of them have to be women. Um, I I, I don't know know what the right answer is. The, The slightly impish side of me quite likes the... Um, you know, making sure that everybody's, you know, at the start line of where you might want um, your finish line to end up as and giving everybody the same chance um, to win the race seems quite a positive step for me. I suppose in some organisations might worry about actually your ability to even be able to get, you know, a, a, a diverse shortlist. Um my view is usually, uh, particularly with recruitment agencies, work harder. You know, it's 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 really hard to to get diverse shortlists, um, but that doesn't mean it's not worth it. Actually, um, and it's really easy probably to find, particularly in you know in industries like ours where there's a um, a prevalence of of white males. I think we should be working really hard actually to 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 contact the source to um you know to to find people who will help us to um have that diversity that we need another another point on that is if we think of what we're trying to achieve we're trying to achieve the benefits which we think diverse workforce 
provides us. Um, and just by getting the 50-50 splits per se or meeting that target doesn't actually mean that you're always going to get you know you're going to get those benefits because if you don't if you take the steps that you're just gonna hire and almost positively um, discriminate um, at, at that point it creates a not a very good culture within the company and the whole point of this is actually to create a inclusive and equal um, workforce and way of working um, and I think that that's the ultimate benefit of what we're trying to achieve and um, I, I think that should be more we should have targets to help achieve that rather than just specific commitments of numbers and not lose sight of the real benefits. I think if you, if you tie that back to the, the choose to challenge theme, it's the idea, you know, it's not a static thing that you're aiming towards. It's something that's constantly reviewed and, and checked. And as you diversify more people of a diverse nature, our background will feed into that process as well. So, I, you know, it comes back to the idea that, um, you know, it's it's cyclic. And as you develop, it, it supports the further diversification. So if you see it like an aim or a vision rather than a we must get to X, I think, yeah, that's, that's really powerful. Um, so I think all that's left to do really is to say a huge thank you to our panel, Chris, Helen and Jenny, for making the time to share your views and experiences with our listeners. Um, as always, if any of our listeners have any questions for any of our speakers today, you can always get in touch with us at dmwgroup.com forward slash contact us or by leaving us a, a short voice message on the podcast itself. We're always happy to have a conversation and obviously we'll ensure you get a timely and thorough response. Uh, finally, just a reminder to keep your eyes and ears peeled for our next podcast, which will be released at the end of March, uh, which will explore how to successfully deliver a transformative change. So a slightly different tangent from today's session, but equally interesting. Uh, yeah, a huge thank you for joining us and listening to the conversation today. Uh, take care and we look forward to speaking to you again soon. Thank you.